Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Strap in. This is going to be a great episode. I had the honor of Reverend Erica Forbes joining me for a conversation about Roe v. Wade and her path with activism. But within 24 hours of recording, Roe v. Wade was overturned. And so we hopped on another call to uh, discuss the chart of the overturning of Roe. So you're going to hear both parts of that conversation in this episode. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a goodie. Enjoy. So, Erica, welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I was so excited by your question, and I'm not sure how it's going to shake out, but why don't you just tell me what you want to talk about, and we'll get into it. Well, I really want to talk about the direction of the reproductive justice movement in light of the decision that is going to be handed down, we know, within a matter of days. In particular, because I work in reproductive justice work and because I'm very upfront um, as a minister, I have had two abortions and I speak openly about it. Um, And it's part of why I've been involved in this work so deeply um, and for so long. I'd love to understand how my work or anyone who, who wants to work in reproductive justice, especially after this decision is handed down, where they should go, what's the best avenue, and what uh, Roe v. Wade, the end of Roe v. Wade as we know it, will mean for the landscape of reproductive justice and the direction the movement we should take the movement in. Mm. Okay, those are such important questions. And just could you share like a couple words about your work and kind of how, how you come to the movement and like kind of your role within it so I can also point you in directions? Sure. I got in the work right after my second abortion at 18. I started volunteering for a national organization that does provide abortion care. Um, And then I went on to teaching and then I've slowly moved back into reproductive justice work. And just within the last three months, I tried to leave reproductive justice work and go back into corporate America. And that was a disaster. And I so I came back to it um, because it was called I was called to speak And I actually decided to start my own reproductive justice strategic planning firm because I knew this was coming. And I knew that we were going to have to change everything that we've ever done in this movement. I'm 52 um, or I'll be 52 February 1st. So I am right. I'm part of the the decision. And um, and I was also um, a plaintiff because I live in Texas. I was one of the lead individual plaintiffs on the SB8 uh, Supreme Court decision that we took to the Supreme Court. So I'm very entrenched in the movement. Mm -hmm. And now I'm my decision is to help frame the movement moving forward. And so I'm trying to understand what my role is so that I can help guide other people in the movement and who want to be in this movement in the direction that it needs to go. But I need to know, at least have some deeper sense of what that could look like. Yeah, that's really, thank you for sharing all that. And it's, it's really powerful. It's like my brain is going in multiple directions at once. Part of me feels like the thing I should be doing is pulling up your chart and talking about your chart. And then part of me feels like what I should be doing is talking about the Roe v. Wade 
chart, do you have an instinct if you want to start big or more focused on you? I think it's important to start big and then filter down because we need to understand, okay, here's what the potential of the landscape can be. And then where's, what's our marching orders and what's my marching orders. And then how can I help lead the movement? Yep. Great. Okay. I love this. So I've got the chart for Roe v. Wade here. It was established January 22nd, 1973. Um, I've got a 10 AM in Washington, DC. And Mm -hmm. so this chart is interesting. It has a stellium and Capricorn, interestingly. Um, Yeah. And it has a Venus conjunction to the North node. So it is a ruling that is specifically for the benefit and autonomy of women, right? Big, big surprise there. But in this chart, we have a Mars Saturn opposition and a very kind of like overly simplistic articulation of this is from the get men have been trying to stop it. Men have been in Mm -hmm. opposition. Literally, this is the only planetary opposition in the whole chart. It's between uh, Mars and Saturn. It's patriarchy and individual men. And unfortunately, this is really this kind of divisiveness that we see in this chart is pretty consistent. Not it's not like there's exclusively men who are against Roe v. Wade, but it is patriarchal. And this is right now not getting triggered this particular point, but it's worth naming it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, what is getting triggered right now is the mercury to this chart. We have Mercury in the chart at 28 degrees of Capricorn and Pluto is sitting on top of it. And so this is where it is like a shift around the conversation we're having on around public opinion. Because of that, there is a great power in storytelling. And, you know, in this day of social media, that's not shocking, but as individual people share their stories about their lived experience, that is a source of power. But unfortunately, wherever Pluto's involved, power can be used against us, right? Hmm, that's, that's, it's really interesting because, and I'll just really digress really quick is to say that my, my sense for my own self is that part of my role in the reproductive justice movement is to help bring in, and this is going to sound crazy, I know, is to bring in actually men to tell their abortion stories and to help facilitate a different kind of thinking about who talks about abortion and who can help us shift the narrative. And it is honestly not probably popular to say we need men's voices in this movement. There's no other way. And for me, as I've been queer all of my life and now am engaged to a man, but I I just cannot, and a white man at that, so (laughs) there's that. So I cannot help but think that there's no way we can create a new landscape without men in this movement. And I'm terrified of having to say that in the movement. And also how in the world am I gonna convince our movement after seeing what men have done to systematically destroy Roe v. Wade that actually we have to, we have to call them in and we have to train them up. I have no idea how I'm going to do that. So I'm so excited to hear you say all of this because it matches the astrology. I'm going to talk about it in the context of your birth chart in a few minutes, but let's stay with this chart because what you're saying, it makes a lot of sense with the chart because 
when we're dealing with Saturn and Pluto, two you know important figures in this chart at this moment for different reasons, but when we're dealing with this, what we're really talking about is people with systemic power, uh, people with historical power, right? So it's not just, oh, they have power in this moment, but they've always had power, right? right. When it becomes their issue, when they leverage their power, not just for us, but for what is good and right, it does change the conversation. And, and I can't stress this enough. We have this Mercury in the Roe v. Wade chart at 28 degrees of Capricorn, Pluto is sitting directly on top of it. It is really an important moment for us to engage with the Plutonian theme of who benefits from abortion. Uh, men benefit from abortion, not just women. And of course, there's more genders than male and female. That is important to name. But when we're having this conversation about Roe v. Wade from the chart, that was not a consideration in the creation of this chart. It was like a boy-girl conversation. Right. And it's reflected in the chart, this kind of like very binary approach. You know, this was in the early 1970s where, you know, women going to work was still a question <laughs> in a major way, right? I mean, women being financially autonomous was still very much a question. It was not like an assumption in the same way it is now. And again, it's reflected in the chart. And I gotta say that what comes next? So. This transit, this Pluto conjunction to Mercury, it won't be over until January of 2024. Okay. And it's going to remain tumultuous, dramatic. And um, we are going to see some of the worst and some of the best of us around this issue uh, through this period. But then just within a month of that transit ending, Pluto conjoins the sun, the identity of Roe v. Wade. That's another two-year period. So, you know, part of what really excited me about your question is it's my perspective that we are in uh, the beginning of a several, several year-long process of the public opinion and identity of Roe v. Wade becoming a much bigger deal. And again, we'll see the worst and best of us. It's Pluto. We'll definitely see the worst of us. But I, I definitely think that kind of bringing in men and people of all genders is an important part of this. But within that, because we're dealing with Pluto and this is happening during the Pluto return of the United States, this is an important detail, right? And because, because of the Saturn-Mars opposition that is deep in this chart, some of the changes that need to happen have to happen within the system. I think a lot of times with progressives, we want to make change outside of the system and then have it like impact the system. And I think that's deeply important, but this chart articulates they need to happen from within the system, which is again, right. to your point about men. There's somehow we're also going to have to shift the conversation to bring in people of of different religious beliefs. And on top of that, we're going to have to shift. And this is a really big deal that we are not just talking about this impacts those that are marginalized the most because it allows everyone else who isn't to opt out. And yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, how am I going to do? How is this going to happen? So yeah. so that, that so that what we're creating is a movement where Everyone sees that this is critical to everyone's existence. And yeah. I, I mean, you might as well tell me to build an ark. I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't know. How am I going to do? And, and, and it's going to be challenging because I cannot let my why my Caucasian sisters opt out because or my wealthy sisters opt out 
or those that have power opt out or anyone. And, and I don't really, that seems like a lot. It is a lot. Let's get to your chart. Okay. So you were born February 1st, 1971 at 1231 AM in San Leandro, California, right here where I am. <laughs> so what you're talking about is so important. Now, listen, I look at your birth chart. You've got this Neptune, Jupiter, Mars conjunction in your first house in Sagittarius. Yeah, you want to change the fucking world. Yeah, you don't mind what if it takes you your whole life. You don't mind if it takes tons of personal sacrifice. I mean, you're you're very impatient by nature, but you're willing to do the work because you're so idealistic as well, eh? Yeah. Within that as well, you've got moon in Aries in the sixth house. You are emotionally driven to do the work that you do. If you don't care, you don't do shit. When you care, you do everything. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and on top of it, you've got this T-square. And I don't always count a midheaven and a T-square, but in your case, I will. You've got a sun opposition to the midheaven and both of those points square to Saturn in the seventh house. And so this is the part of you that's like, if I make a commitment to a thing, to a person or to a cause or to an ambition, I don't care what it costs me. I don't care how many years I will do the fucking thing. Yeah. Um, you are going through so much astrologically right now. And that's where I want to kind of focus what you were just saying of like, how am I going to get people motivated, right? How do we kind of impress upon people that it is an every one of us issue, not just the most marginalized, not just women, et cetera. And this brings me to your Venus. You've got this Venus as part of your Sagittarius stellium in the second house and Venus in the second house makes you incredibly values driven for you everything comes down to what you value. Most of the time when I say to people, what are the things you value? They stutter. They don't really know what I mean. I have to define the word for them. It's really weird. You, I, I'm sure you have a scroll. It's engraved in your back pocket. Like, you know what you value. You have really a passionate relationship to values. And currently we've got Neptune square on your Venus, which can be quite a dramatic and demoralizing transit. It's a once in a lifetime event. What it does is it can spark idealism to the point where you lose track of yourself or you don't care for yourself because you're doing so much for others. At the same time, you've got Uranus uh, sitting on top of your Saturn. So it's placing stress on this part of you that is used to doing everything in your relationships. Coalition building, I'll build it. So you mentioned building an arc and I was like, we got to pull up your chart because that's kind of like how your brain works. You're like, I'll build a fucking arc. I don't care who gets on it. Let's just all get on it and it'll work. And that is what makes you impactful. That's what creates, it's what allows you to do all the things you've done in your life. It is also not sustainable asking people to show up and to kind of put out, like to do the work is hard regardless of your birth chart. I mean, it's regardless of the cause, but luckily you currently have Pluto forming a trine to your Pluto. So you have Pluto currently transiting through your third house and it is trining your 11th house Pluto. So, I mean, it, as soon as I pulled up your chart, I was like, oh shit, you're going to, you're going to move some mountains. Like you actually have the ability to effectively communicate collective need through collective fear and to mobilize communities, groups of people, not just individuals. But if you source all the wood and find the open field to build the ark and you try to get your own hammers and nails and you learn, you watch YouTube videos to figure out how to build boats. Like if you do all that on your own, 
you run the risk because of this Neptune transit, also because common sense, right? But like because of this Neptune transit of taxing your nervous system and having your physical body impact that. Have you noticed that at all in 2022? Actually, well, yeah, because um, at the end of 2021, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure. That's why I left the movement. And then I went into corporate America and I didn't even know what a gallbladder was on my right at my birthday. I had emergency gallbladder surgery while I was on vacation by myself. And I was like, okay, body, I get it. There's obviously something I'm not listening to. I practice Bikram yoga for the last 12 years. I am a vegan. I do all the things. This isn't making any sense to me. Mm -hmm. So it must be my life. And so I, I, yeah, I mean, I learned the hard way. It's just the way I do it. I was going to say that's your favorite way. You're kind of into it. You're super into it. I mean, yeah. it's the, it's the beauty of being resilient and having vision and having passion is that you can, you know, take it to the edge. The problem is when you fall off the edge, it's kind of a heavy drop. Yeah. And that's part of the lesson you're learning as a person, as an individual, you know, beautifully fragile human person. And I think we're all fragile. I think, you know, so many of us are strong, but the human body is, it's you know. so, I mean, it's so temporal, it's all yes. heavy and it's dense and you can yes. just poke it and it falls apart It's yeah. liquid. I, I just don't like we have these human bodies. It's so slow. They're slow. They're slow and they're built to break. Yeah. And let's add more complexity. You currently have transiting Pluto squaring your moon. And so, and your moon is in the sixth house. And so this fun combo platter of age but honestly, this would be happening even regardless of your age, but the older we are, the more it's likely to show up in the body, right? The real combo platter to pay attention to is Neptune squaring your Venus, Pluto squaring your moon, and Uranus is sitting on top of Saturn. And so this all comes together to say, and this is so important for you to hear, and also hopefully for your friends and your fiance to hear that your physical body and your nervous system can take a lot but they can't take it all. Mm-hmm. And having limits and boundaries is essential to sustaining the work. And that means sometimes you have to say to someone else, like, I know where the wood is. It would be easier for me to go get it, but could you do it please? Because I actually just need to like stare at a wall. Like you, you need that. Neptune wants us, unfortunately demands that we step away from the world sometimes to nurture our sensitivities. And right. Not- I take an extraordinary amount of self-care time every, I mean, it takes me four hours of meditation and yoga and running and swimming j- just to put together three hours of work. Like I feel like I take an exorbitant amount of time and, that's and I'm an introvert. So I have to like hunker down. That's all I do is just nurture myself and do the work. That's all, I mean, it's so it's, I can't function without an extreme amount, I think, of self-care. Okay. So too much. uh, Okay. Definitely not too much. I'm really glad to hear it. And this is like the joy of adulthood. Like you figured it out and you know what you need. However, I have an instinct about something. Say your full name out loud. So I can, I can really check it. Erica Lynn Forbes. Okay. Some of what you do for self-care is more labor. It's organized. It's consistent. Um, and that's what works for you. You've got moon in the sixth house. It's perfect. You've got Saturn as a focal planet to a T-squared. This is what you're meant to do. This is highly effective. Here's the butt, because you know there's a butt. The butt is because of fucking Uranus sitting on top of your Saturn. What that transit does is many things, but a big one is that it changes your internal structure as a human being, your relationship to reality and consistency. So what you're 
likely to experience is some of the structured things that you do to be efficient or to be healthy might feel oppressive or they may not be as effective, right? So you've been noticing that? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give you a very like anti-Capricorn because, you know, I'm like very, very Capricorn. I'm going to give you anti-Capricorn advice here. I'm going to say experiment with changing your routine because what you've just described is like the healthiest, smartest routines in the world. Like why would anyone ever tell you to stop? It's because your body's telling you it's not exactly working. Some of the things you do to maintain and protect yourself. um, I mean, they're all effective, but some of the things you're doing it in a way where it's like more labor and Uranus wants change. And what Neptune wants is rest and repose. And so yoga can be rest and repose. Meditation can be rest and repose. I mean, ideally it is. And sometimes it's more work. Right. Because I do it with a discipline and a rigor and an absoluteness that Mm -hmm. is, there's no cut cards. There's no negotiation. I hold myself hostage to that routine because it's, yeah. And okay. So now you use Pluto words. You said you hold yourself hostage and Pluto's squaring your moon. So anything that we are held hostage by that does not effectively serve our evolution, whether it's through our behavior or through the motivation of the behavior, when we're going through Pluto transits that are hard, like you are, it roots it out. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to be willing to experiment with engaging with your self-care tools in new and adjusted ways and to be with that perfectionism, right? Because your perfectionism, and this is something you may have heard me say before, but perfectionism is really, it's a really highly effective, unhealthy behavior and motivation. And it's so effective that why would you change it? And the answer to why is because if you don't, your body will suffer, your psyche will suffer. So you can do all the right things, quote unquote, and still the gallbladder thing. And you're like, what the fuck? And it was your system saying, slow down, step back, have a damn seat. Right. So I'm not saying this because I'm trying to take you away from the cause and the work. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's sometimes taking the straightest path is the most efficient way to get there. And sometimes the most efficient way to get there is taking the winding path because when you get there, you're ready to do the damn work. Mm, And this is really hard because this Neptune, Jupiter, Mars in the front of your chart uh, in your first house, you can kind of lose yourself in puttering. Like theoretically, I'm guessing you don't let yourself, but perhaps when you were younger, you did it. Like it, it, it can get like, uh, you know. Just floating around doing yep. aimless things that aren't even directive. Yep. yep. Am I reading this correctly that you did that when you were younger and then you figured out how to get around it and how to work with it and now you don't? Right. Okay. This is a part of you. This part of you, the like floop-a-doop part, it's a part of you. And Achieving wholeness means achieving wholeness. It's super annoying. And so part of what the astrology of this moment is trying to force down your damn throat is to integrate your need for rest and floop-a-doop and nothing much and to trust yourself enough to be able to do that as a form of self-care and as a form of your health and to have faith in that. Now, I'm not encouraging you to just like trust it out the gate. I'm encouraging you to experiment with it. The next time you're like, okay, I've got to do my three hours of self-care. If your body is like, or your brain's like, this sounds like torture. I don't want to do it. Maybe schedule two hours of your rigorous self-care. And then one hour where you 
do the uncomfortable work of just chilling out or 20 minutes of the chilling and two hours and 40 minutes of the rigorous self-care. I just want to encourage you to experiment because back to the larger issue at play, you are incredibly capable of moving some fucking mountains here. But if you move mountains and then you collapse at the base of it, then you, those are all the mountains you get to move. No more mountains for you. You know, and this is like a, a really difficult thing. I don't want to encourage you to be less passionate, less driven, less effective. I want to encourage you to think about how you can sustain all of that because this is a very fucking long fight and it will get much worse as you know, before it gets better. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I just came off of two days where I was supposed to do my yoga and all my practice, but I was so dog tired from the travel that I literally couldn't. And I was mad. But then on the third day, Wednesday, today's Thursday, I woke up and I was like, oh, I feel great. But the two days of not doing what I had planned to do was just, it was painful. But so you're, yes, I mean, literally just finished trying it. So I do know there must be value to it. I mean, and the timing, like what are the chances that we'd have a reading where I'm a triple Capricorn being like, you need to relax, but it's true when you're not used to kind of slowing down and like landing in the system, what happens when you do is you find all the emotions that are not getting tended to irritability, agitation, sadness, all the things, and they don't get directed at an external foe. And then you become the internal foe and it's a mild form of torture. So it's about being more habitual with that mild form of torture. So it just gets uncomfortable. And then it goes from uncomfortable to like, just the same way as, as all of your other self-care. It's like, yeah, it's a little difficult, but I know it's good for me. And this period of your life, it's two more years. You got two more years. So you've got a lot of time to learn this lesson, but the universe does not care how you learn. Easy, hard, Hard. miserable, your call. And you've already had some health stuff. So we want to make sure it's like, I'm like, we must protect you at all costs. So this is where, you know, I say like, tell your friends, tell your fiance, because they can annoy you about it. And then you can be like, no, no, no. And then think about it yourself and then come around to it or remember it. Um, Cause I do see that it's important that things are your idea. Like you really like (laughs) to be your idea. Um, My fiance is going to crack up when he hears this he doesn't even like you know he's not even into astrology because he's a science person he's going i mean i'm going to play that little piece because he's going to be like told you (laughs) everything has to be your idea otherwise it's not a good idea so when people say things to you frequently enough it starts to feel like your idea and you're you're cool with that but he um can i peek at him real quick what's his name his name is okay he's really supportive um, do you let him help you with like organizational stuff? Yeah, because he's a systems thinker and, I see that. and that's what he brings in is all of the, because I have the vision, but he has the way to do it and he can bring it. He brings me in, in a way that is intelligent and not insulting. And mm-hmm. I mean, he has to be smart in order to be with me. Agreed. So yeah, he's very methodical, very systematic, very organized. And he's, you know, I don't want this to come across a weird way, but he's dispassionate in a way that is really effective to have behind the scenes in a movement, Absolutely. not at the front of a movement. You know, yeah, yeah. you've got that's the passion he, that's, for that. The, yeah. He's, yeah. he's the balancer and he's able to hear it from a non-attached point. That doesn't mean yep. he doesn't care, but he's not attached to an outcome yep. because yep. science, right? And he's so. also not attached to the process, which you really need right now, because there's a 
part of what you're doing that is needing to evolve in the shifting landscape that we're finding ourselves in, eh? And mm-hmm. so he's going to have some weird, subtle ideas that are just like subtly different that you're going to be like, mm, that's not how we do it. But I want to encourage you to be like, oh, right, but I'm going through a Uranus transit. So maybe I need to explore this. Because- well, he's the person that saved my life because the, the blood pressure, he happened to go to the doctor with me that day. I wouldn't have gone to the doctor. I wouldn't have gone to the emergency room. And he mm. said, I just, I'm going to ask one favor. Would you do this for me? And it saved my life. And with the gallbladder, I was like, I'm not going to the hospital. I'm in Florida. I don't know anything. He said, please two times. And my mm. mother died at 47. So it, two times it, since I've met him, he's literally no lie saved my life. That's really powerful. I'm so happy to hear that. Are you getting married or are you just being fianced? No, we are getting married October 22nd. Congratulations. That's great. Congratulations. I was going to be like, he's a keeper, whatever you do. Uh, (laughs) He's a keeper. We're we're, going to hold on to him. I also just want to validate. This is not a person who's going to tell you what to do. uh, Which is really important because obviously you wouldn't partner with him if you did. But part of where you're at is it's so it's, it's kind of like, it sounds complicated, but let me, I'll just say what I'm seeing. It's like this thing that you named at the beginning where you're just like, we got to bring men into the movement in a, in a new way, in a, in a kind of a bigger way, not where they take it over, but where they use their voice. Right. Mm-hmm. And part of what I'm seeing is that that's going to require an adjustment from you, even though you see it, even though this is your idea, it's also an adjustment from you because communicating with men a thing. It's like a whole entire thing. And it's, it's like, I'm not quite sure what I'm seeing about this, but it looks like the way that you communicate with your partner doesn't trigger this issue for you that most men do trigger trigger for you. Mm-hmm. Do you ever, do, do you know who the, the, I believe she's called the hugging, the hugging saint Ama. Do you know Ama? Yeah. Is? I went yeah. to see her. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's magic. Right. Yeah. Um, th- there's this like quote that I am really bad at quoting things properly, but like she's this quote that I'm going to generalize. It was something to the effect of, you know, her love is like a river and you can spit in the river and you can throw trash in the rim- river and the river flows just the same. It's this, you know, very spiritual concept around unattachment. And I think it can get into like, you know, being martyry, which is I'm not a fan of, and I don't want to encourage you towards in any way, shape or form, but there is a process of non-attachment that I think that you are going to have to be engaged in because of this Neptune transit and also because of the Pluto transit. And that will show up both in your relationship to time management, to self-care, but also to how you relate to the people you are forming coalitions with, because some of these coalitions will go really well and some of them will not, because obviously, but also I'm looking at your chart and will not. And so it's about recognizing when it's time to cut bait, to let people go or let, let a effort go Right. Because again, you can be so brave and strong willed that it can be hard for you to be like, you know what, this is, you know, they keep on throwing trash in my river. I, you know, three times I was open. I was willing to work with them. Just, you know, see if they're evolving fourth time. No, they're out. They're out of the, the, the forest. I don't know. I'm mixing metaphors, but you get, you get where I'm going. <laughs> I, get, with I get where you're going. Okay, I got thank it. You. Thank you. So this looks like it's going to be really important. And again, it's like, I think in general, you're actually quite good at this, but these transits are fucking with you. And so it, the stakes are so high that I think right. it makes it so much harder. 
Right. And I will tell you, because as a black woman, uh, first of all, who's been in love with black women my whole entire life, it's only that has departed from. So that's a huge thing. And I actually kept wow. it secret from the people in my movement, in my organization, because, you know, the white man is the enemy. Yes. So there's that. And then with black women being able to help them move from their anger and rage at white women and at the system and uh, white oppression and all those things being very real. But because I've done my work and I'm now on a different bus, I know we're all going to get there. Some of us are on the 6 a.m., some of us are on the 12 and some of us are on the 8 p.m. And mm -hmm. so I know that I'm going to be having to deliver a message that, you know, let's just say might not be the funnest message for, you know, my people to hear. Yeah, that's real and that's complicated. It's real and it's complicated on the level of it being, you know, what you're talking about in your personal life and also how wild life is so bonkers. Yeah. And also it's really complicated in terms of your public life, right? right. And, and in terms of coalition building and movement building, it is complicated. This is where, you know, thank goodness that you're a fully developed adult because you have a self-esteem and a sense of self that is already established that said, no one is not fragile to, especially your peers, um, talking shit. And again, the transits you're going through include a Pluto up square to the moon. And I've never heard of anyone going through that transit and having their feelings hurt. So it's a thing. It's, and it's, it, it just is a process and it's about not attaching, not allowing people to have power over your sense of self. Uh, because this process that you're committed to is so important to you and to the world. And I keep saying to people that I have all, we've already benefited from the privilege of Roe v. Wade. I've already been able to have my two abortions. The work that we must do now is for children and people that aren't even born yet. And that we have to understand that we're playing the long game and not be invested in my rights. Of course, I understand the importance of that, but this is not that fight. It is a longer range fight. And so I also understand sustainability and non-attachment because it's not really about me anymore. Yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, I wish, I mean, I'm so glad we don't have the Supreme court decision yet. I mean, every day that it doesn't exist is okay. kind of a good right. day. And right. also if we had it, I could pull up a chart for it and I could read yeah. for it. So don't you worry, I will pay attention to when that gets okay. decreed, when it does. And we can talk about it later if that's helpful. But I will say that in February of this year, it was the end of a two-year process, a two-year transit uh, to the Roe v. Wade chart. Neptune was opposing Roe v. Wade's moon and it was doing it from the 12th house. So in English, what this means for the last two years, religious uh, I would say religious zealots. I would say people who have really deep religious convictions have been behind the scenes, 12th house, working to change both the, the kind of laws around Roe v. Wade, like mm -hmm. basically like setting the stage right. and also the hearts of so many people in their religious communities. Okay. That has been happening for the last two years. That transit ended in late February of 2022. But okay. in that period, we had these conservative justices added, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we've seen a lot from religious right conservatives happening in these past couple of years. And the reason why I named this is because so much of what we are dealing with on the surface of Roe v. Wade right now 
it's already been done. Like the, the foundations have already been set behind the scenes and mm -hmm. Neptune will cross the ascendant of the Roe v. Wade chart in 2025. Um, so, so again, we're looking at this 2024, 2025. It makes me think that, you know, this will not go quietly into the night, first of all. Yeah. I mean, obviously not if you have anything to say about it, but also I don't see this going away. I don't see this going away. And I don't know what that means because if they over, and perhaps you, you can educate me, if they overturn Roe v. Wade, does that mean we will never return to it? Is that how it works? I, I think from what I understand is that Roe v. Wade is dead and we, we can't return to it and we shouldn't return to it because it didn't actually serve everyone the yep. way we know it now needs to because consciousness has changed. We know more. And yeah. so we have to create a different thing. Yeah. But no one knows what that different thing can even look like yet. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it is important to name that the basis that they're trying to overturn Roe v. Wade on is around privacy and how what a slippery slope that is and how many rights that we take for granted in the United States are about to be violently stripped away. Right. Um, you know, it's interesting because if the chart becomes dead next week, right, then part of me feels like, well, then this chart doesn't make it's, it's not active, but the truth is it is active in American consciousness. Right. It is active in our lives in a really material way. Okay. I often say we try to, what, what we're doing, our generation is that we're in the gap. We are hospicing Roe v. Wade as we are also midwives for, for what is next. And so that's a very precarious place as you watch something you love die and also watch something you don't know is going to exist and sort of shepherd it in. And mm -hmm. so that's a very precarious place for us. And we're in, we will be in the void and void is always scary to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really well said. I'm grateful you're a minister because it's beautiful. Um, so there's like two things that are like scratching my brain right now. One is I want to ask you like, point me in more directions of how I can be helpful if there's more that I can be helpful with. And then the other thing is just this, this Pluto conjunction to Mercury. It's just like my brain is not letting it go because it is about storytelling. It is about having difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also about the essential like dignity of people having body autonomy, right? Which right. is something that, that is being challenged by Republicans in every possible way that doesn't directly impact cis white men, obviously. Right. right? This Mercury placement is the same place as Pluto in the United States's charge, like quote birth chart. So the Pluto return that we talk about so much is at the same, it's 27 degrees. So it's 28 degrees of cap. So this is directly related to the revolutionary times that we're in within the United States and how the powers that be want to revert back to the horrors of the founding fathers. This means that this is a very legal battle. And I think that's maybe super obvious that it's a very legal battle. We're talking about Roe v. Wade. But as I look at this chart, I'm just like, you know, when you think about coalition building or when you talk about having these conversations, we need a lot of lawyers, not scholars, yes, but lawyers in the fight in every state. And, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't know what that if that's helpful or if that's stupid and obvious, but it's, it just really stands out here. Well, I mean, I think that it, it is that we are going to need lots of lawyers that 
know the legalities and can work within the system, but they have to be able to work within the system in a way where they're carrying both that piece and the piece of like deep revolutionary listening and communication skills in a way that hasn't been displayed by the movement that with no, no, you know, shade to the lawyers that have done incredible work so far, but thinking about it differently and being able to think about it differently, but work within the system, the way the system is set up. And so that's going to require incredible complex understandings that marriage between the mind and the heart. So we need lawyers that are, um, my word often is in their wholeness Mm. uh, in order to do, to, to craft what is new. Yeah. So that's going to, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's, it's a, it's like a unicorn. It's, you know, it's like a a horse with a horn on it, maybe, but you know, it's like hard to find is what I'm trying to say. It's not because the lawyers that are going to do this aren't lawyers yet. That's exactly what I was thinking when you were saying that you're talking about, about these younger generations, right. Right. That that have a more radical approach. It's exactly what I think, you know, uh, the, the GOP is trying to desperately stop is this generation Mm -hmm. of young people who want to do different, want to do better, want to do different. And this is the fucked up thing. Pluto is such a dick, you know, like Pluto, I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, or I guess I could say Pluto's a shit. Like Mm -hmm. Pluto is messy and powerful and punishing. And it's also the planet that governs reparations, Mm -hmm. right? And having something better than Roe v. Wade is so important. It's so mm-hmm. important. I just, again, at the risk of saying the obvious, want to say this is not a straight path forward. There's just no way with this chart. There's just no way with this astrology. It's going to be a winding path that sometimes seems like it's going completely going in the wrong direction. And you know what? Mm-hmm. It may end up in the wrong direction right. for sure. Bad things happen all the time. But if things are going in a bad direction, it is easy as activists to become demoralized right. um, or not as activists as people looking at our rights being stripped to become demoralized. It is demoralizing, but this is how Pluto works. It brings us to this dark night of the soul. Right. And, and that's the thing. Up, we, you, but you have to bring crisis brings transformation. Yes. And so we have to do that. What I like to call Pluto does that holy shakedown, you know, yeah. and you're like reconstructed from the inside out, but first there has to be the destruction and nobody yeah. really likes that part. I don't. It's awful. <laughs> um, it's terrible. And well, I'm kind of into it because I know as soon as it starts happening, that's that's where true transformation, like I have been saying, we've got to kill Roe and kill it quickly. What's painful is that it's been on, uh, it's been in the ICU unit. And so yeah. we're watching it die. And it's like, it would almost be better to have it murdered so that we can move on. Mm. But watching it die is very painful. That death and that destruction is very painful to watch. And none of us likes to watch it or let alone be in it. But I understand that that's the only way in which we are going to give birth to something new. There's no other way. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I think you're 100% right. And, and it's a really bitter pill to swallow. It, it just, it just really is. And I guess that, yeah, that brings me to the other part of my question is, is there anything else that I could be helpful around any kind of questions about you personally? Um, I, I did. I have one question. Yeah. I have, uh, it looks like there's either, you know, every, the thing I'm doing with my strategic planning firm is, is just in its baby stage. But there's also this issue around like making a living and needing to do that. And there could be 
work that I could do in the movement in a traditional way. And I'm not sure which is the way I should do it and which is the, which path should I take or, or just guiding, which would be the most beneficial both to me financially and to the movement. Great. I'm not and, quite sure. And this is primarily around money, right? Like around how to like support yeah. yourself through the, the work. Yeah. And what, what is actually the most impactful as okay. well. So will you say the name of your firm? Envision Justice. Great. It's, um, top heavy. Well, the other thing underneath that is yeah. a, another sub work that I'm doing um, called Power Post Row. And that is helping, uh, the idea is to help people step into being empowered post row, that death is not the end, it's actually the beginning. That has a really strong energy to it. And it mm-hmm. looks like Power Post Row is something that you could partner with other orgs around. Like it just yeah. looks like it's very, it's got a lot of sparkle. It's very mobile. Um, yeah, it is. And, and it's a great kind of um, branch and articulation of your vision here. The purpose of that is to help like individuals do their inner work so that they can do the work on what happens post row and and it's to designed to help people who are already working in reproductive justice movement to um be fully healed so that mm. they can sustain the work so it's it's more sort of diffusive and it's designed the design is to help people do their inner work so they can do uh, sustain the work externally that's so powerful will you share the name of the the web address and i'll put it in the show notes as well oh sure how can it's, people find it it's the website is reproductivejusticepostrow.com. Okay, great. So we're going to make sure that people can go and yeah, support and they can just the sign work. up. Yeah. Yeah. Great. They can use the work. They can support the work. They can share the work. Yeah. Great. That doesn't exactly make money or does it? I can't tell. Well, it's, I mean, it should technically, because I'm going to be providing lots of courses and classes and all kinds of things to help bring people along from whatever trauma and pain they have post row. Um, so it should. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other work Envision justice is designed for orgs. It's something to help them design a different part of the movement. It's a higher level. Yeah. It's like big picture thinking, right. that kind right. of stuff is what I'm saying. Right. And that looks at like, it's going to be slower to take off because it's, dragging people to do the work. Right. Right. right which right. Um, I think people are really overwhelmed and burnt out and all of the things. Um, right. So first of all, I've clarified which of these two pieces I see making a little more money at, in, in the short term and get kind of garnering more excitement in general mm-hmm. in the short term. Mm-hmm. But then in terms of like, do you need other consulting gigs on the side is the question, right? Yeah. I mean, or should I just go into an organization and work uh, a repro organization, a traditional job in the reproductive justice movement, which is, you know, regular job. Oh, I have such an annoying answer for you. I don't think it's a good idea to go back into those jobs. I just think you're done. I think you have had those power struggles before, you know, what's going to happen. And it's kind of a waste of your energy. Um, yeah, I'm afraid is, I'll get bogged down in emails and Slack. Th- it's exactly what I'm seeing is you'll get bogged down in process. Right. That's really what it looks like. And you know what? That work is important. I'm not shitting on that, that work. It's just, 
You've got this fire under your ass and in your belly to do something different. You figured it out. I mean, it's not hundred percent perfect, but again, you figured it out and it would feel like going back. It wouldn't feel mm-hmm. like going forward. Mm-hmm. So I hate to say that to you because if you're going to have to get like a side hustle, it makes sense for it to be still connected to what you are passionate about. But I just, I, I attribute this to the Uranus conjunction to your Saturn. I don't think you can go back. I don't think you can go back to the corporate world in the way you have. I don't think you can go back to um, these organizations in the way you have before. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder because you do consulting, right? Mm-hmm. With powerful people or just with organizations? Uh, well, not powerful people, so to speak, but definitely with organizations. That's the idea. Yeah. I'll just tell you what's coming up and, sure. and you know, you'll play with it. But I do think it's worth considering the consulting as something that could go to powerful people and not just organizations, because in Mm. a way you can make more of an impact consulting with somebody who they themselves has a great deal of power in any interpretation of that. It's kind of your, your, your very impactful one-on-one. I mean, you're impactful on all the levels. I'm not going to take any of the levels from you, but you are really impactful one-on-one. And I think it might be a good use of your energy. And it's also different enough from what you've done Mm. to satisfy Uranus, who's trying to get you to do things differently. I actually think it's a bit of a lighter lift for you than going into all this like process and organizational stuff. Um, So that is standing out to me. And and this is something where I would simply say to you, like, if you sit with it and ends up feeling like a yes, manifest it. Like, yeah, put feelers out. That's part of manifesting. But I don't think you need to like reinvent the wheel about it. I think that there are people who are running companies and organizations, people who have a lot of money who would actually really want to be able to consult with you. It's just a question of, bear with me. So this thing keeps on coming up. Let me just tell you what keeps on coming up. You're, you're impatient, right? I said that early, but you didn't really seem yes or no. Are you? Impatient? I've cultivated a level of patience, but certainly uh, it's not my strong suit. So you got a lot of fire in you. I was, and you're an Aquarius. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you yeah. come by it honestly. I keep on seeing you hitting a wall. Mm. I keep on seeing you hitting a wall and being like, fuck, this is too hard. No, yeah. uh-uh, I can't do this. Yeah. And I don't know if that wall is external. It's like something happens in the world or like you try to make a thing happen. And within two months, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you have a health event and it kind of stops your progress. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what I'm seeing is that that wall may really distract you and demoralize you so that you take it as a wall made of stone. Mm-hmm. And I don't see it being a wall made of stone. I see it as another reminder or reinforcement that you need a new and different kind of self-regulation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what's going to happen is that your circumstances stop you um, mm-hmm. so that you have to do that. I kind of think that's what you're going through right now because you're like all cylinders on like full speed ahead. You, you know, you're just like, it's fucking go time. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know. As a person Mm -hmm. in this country, I thank you. But as an astrologer, I got to say, this isn't isn't sustainable. This is what the universe is going to do. So what I'm being shown is two things, and then we'll come back to your question. The first is notice when you start to feel blocked or frustrated, try to notice it and consciously work with it, either using your pre-existing tools or like innovating. And then the other thing is pick your battles wisely. 
that's going to be the magic thing for you here. There are some battles that are absolutely worthy of your energy, and there are some that aren't. And your energy is something you have to prioritize in this period more than is your comfort zone. Okay. And you said at the beginning, like, oh, you know, I, I do way too much. And I want to say, uh, mm, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. I, you know, you described a lot, but I think, you know, whether that means it needs to shift a little and be a little less structured, whether that means you do it because you need it, keep going, you need more either one at the end of the day, you're really putting yourself up against some fucking heavy hitters. And this is deep. That said, coming back to your question around money, I, I hate to say this corporate consulting looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Not going into a corporation, but corporate consulting pays well. It's less of an energy and time commitment, and it sharpens your skills for building this organization that you're building. Right. Um, which well, it tracks because we were talking about a lot of organizations like Amazon, a lot of people, a lot of organizations are trying to figure out how they can help post row yeah. and where they can put their money to help post row. And that's what I think I can do well. I can yes. help them figure out how to do that. hundred percent. That's the direction to go in. I think that's where you can make an impact. Also make money. It's also a data collecting mission. You know, it's like crossing, I'm not going to call them enemy lines, but you're crossing lines, we'll say, to figure out how they're thinking, you know, you're getting more, more important information about the gap between what they say and what they feel or what they do. It's ironic that that looks like it will support your work more than working in the industry, actually. Right. It's interesting. You're, what you said is what said. He's like, this is, I think you could do this and I can help you. This is where being a white man is going to come be useful because mm -hmm. I understand how they think and I can guide and direct you. And he already did that once before with my previous work and was excellent at it. And I'm like, I should just hire you out like white man consulting, like how to speak white man. I don't know. We were joking, of course, but I'm just saying, you, you know, yeah. So yes. it, it tracks yeah. with what we've been talking about. So Good. I'm glad to hear that. And I do see him being actually a pretty important part of this, of your organization. I think that he's, he's down to do the work and also his brain is just so good for operations and planning. It's so consistent. Like he remembers the details while tracking the big picture. It's yeah. very, I mean, that's, a that's great him. person to have on your team. Yeah. And he's not offensive. Like his, like, he, he doesn't like a search in a way that pushes people away or down, right. um, which is, you know, it's not nothing. Yeah, it is what you described. So I, I this is very helpful. I think you're going to be good. I think that you're ready. I think that you've been ready for this work. Some of this is about marketing and PR. Mm -hmm. And it is worth considering whether or not you, if you haven't already hired somebody to do that kind of work, whether or not it's wise too, because much like your partner is able to dispassionately see what you're so passionate about and like get in there in the crevices, marketing and or PR people can do something similar, good ones. Um, so if anyone's listening and wants to donate their time and skills, just reach out. When I look at your business um, energetically, that looks like a weak part in the foundation. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, and that part's important if you're selling to consult to corporations right. and right. big boys and all that kind of crap. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. That yeah. all, it all makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Now, before we're done, 
Do you have multiple websites or just the one you shared? I actually have two. One is the reproductive justice post row. Dot com mm-hmm. And then Envision Justice, because one's consulting and one is the sort of general public. Great. So if people want to reach out to you, support the work, get involved, they can go to either of these places. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great. And, you know, once... I'm still I'm saying if, even though I know, I know. Uh, but once and if Roe is overturned, uh, let's all keep track of the time. We will cast a chart. We will meet again. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. This has been extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. Yay. Thank you. You are a total joy. And I'm so grateful for your work. Thank you. And I guess I have one one last question for you, which is Mm -hmm. um, your minister. Is there a place where you offer spiritual services that people can find you? Well, I, I, I used to have a church, but I, once I started working in this work, I left doing that. And I actually, my spiritual counseling work is focused on women who, people, families, and their reproductive health choices. So right. to help shepherd them through whatever part of their life they might need that support in. So it's solely on that. That's beautiful. And is there a particular denomination that you are? I'm a licensed interfaith minister, my master's in world religions. Beautiful. Great. Again, for anyone listening, reach out to Erica um, and benefit from her work and also spread the good, the goodness of the work. Thank you so much. This has been such a joy. Again, I really, I do thank you so much for your work. It's so important. Yeah, you're great. I thank you so much. Thanks so much, Jessica. This has been fantastic. Such a joy. Supporting local abortion funds that help arrange and pay for abortion care for patients who need it is one of the most impactful actions you can take for reproductive justice today. Planned Parenthood is great, of course, but also consider donating to the Yellowhammer Fund, Mississippi Reproductive Freedom Fund, and Margins, Women Helping Black Women. The links for all three of these orgs are in show notes. If you or someone you know is a pilot, you can consider becoming a volunteer with elevatedaccess.org to help transport passengers at no cost to them to access gender-affirming and abortion health care. And finally, the Church of Prismatic Light is a religion for LGBTQIA plus people and allies who want religious freedom to have the right to bodily autonomy marry who they love, transition, and have gender-affirming care. You can find them at prismaticlightchurch.org. Okay, here we are. I mean, it's so good to see you again, but I really (laughs) wish this was not the reason. Not even 24 hours later. Not even 24 hours later. And it's so bizarre because the movement has been planning, you know, we knew the decision was going to come down, but they don't usually issue decisions on Friday. It's so devastating. And I, you know, it's like, I feel bad to bring you back because it's such a, we're just, we're talking in such an emotional moment. It's been like a couple hours. I can't even imagine. I can't, I I just like, I'm trying to put together. I mean, we were supposed to do this whole big, uh, the church in Dallas is the home of Roe v. Wade because Roe went to the Unitarian Universalist Church in Dallas. And so Mm. I was part of a clergy contingent that we were going to be hosting an event the night of the decision none of us is in Dallas. We're all everywhere. So it was going to be a huge service live stream to you use all over the country. Just because oh. <laughs> so, oh. we wanted to offer a place for, you know, 
lament and for people to come who needed some place to that wasn't marching but needed some place to hold the space to be and so it just the the amount of insanity that's happened in the last couple of hours I I mean I I I mean I mean and I'm sure whenever you hold it it will be appreciated but yeah it's just such a devastating Mm -hmm. passage but we have this chart to pull yeah I got I got the time for 10 5 a.m is when they landed the decision. Is that the time you have as well? That's the time I have. I was just sitting trying to decide what I was going to do with my day before it was decided for me. Uh And uh, yeah, it was, that was, that's the time I have. Great. Okay, good. Because I mean, I've kind of tried to cross check it on the internet, but you know, it's a wild forest out there. So nobody knows, but 10.05 AM, June 24th, 2022 in Washington, DC. I am tempted to have a very emotional conversation where we just like cuss a lot. Um, <laughs> but, but I feel like there's it might be is- helpful to actually <laughs> say something besides what the actual fuck. Yeah. What I the mean. actual fuck. I mean, we're going to we're Let's talk about lots of things because I want to just like share with you what I see in this chart. And I think it's okay. like important to contextualize all this is, is like the punch in the face to row, right? This is the, the end of row. And so this chart is an event chart. It's like, it's a complicated thing because when we look at something like Roe v. Wade, we are looking at the life of Roe v. Wade. What we're okay. looking here is at the death of right. Roe v. Wade, which is, okay. an, and it, it's an activist uh, tool, but it's not, you know, something's going to come next and we shall see. Right. 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 So, you know, the first thing that stands out to me is that there is this Saturn conjunct the descendant very tightly forming a square to the uh, midheaven and North node. What this means is it is a restrictive punitive, patriarchal decision, right? Okay. Um, and it's meant to be like a, it's it's meant to be rigid and it is. Job well done. Um, right, good, <laughs> good job doing yeah. that thing. Yeah, yeah, did, yeah, did a great job. Yeah. On top of that, and this is the thing that I think is, is you know, very important to note, this stellium at the top of this event chart, we have a moon, Uranus, North Node, Midheaven conjunction, in Taurus, and they're all Mm -hmm. sitting on top of each other. What this indicates, and I've been sitting with this chart being like, just don't be mad, read the chart, (laughs) Um, which is hard when you're like in the emotion. But but the thing that I think is really important here is the human rights violation that this is. That's a tool for mobilization because Taurus is a zodiac sign to do actually with women, um, but it's also to do with who we value and what we value. It's about our material safety, security, and our rights in that regard. And when we're dealing with the planet Uranus in Taurus, we are dealing with human rights, civil liberties. And so it's not just about the domestic implications of this. It's the global implications of this. I believe the human rights, there's like a human rights watch that's global. And what this articulates, not just to the people of the United States, but to the world is very dramatic. And this is a place where we can mobilize and organize. Does that make sense with? Right. It, it makes absolute sense because I'm uh, again in the, in the repro justice world, what we're going to have to do now that the playing field has been level is that's the foundation in which we're going to build on. Yep. We're going to look at this and move based on what does it mean to be human? Yes. That's it. Okay. So from this chart, I will say 
that's an effective strategy. That's an effective strategy because the whole world is looking at this and understands exactly what it is because even the United States has gone after other countries for not having access to uh, reproductive care um, and body autonomy. You know, so, so this is really important and something else that I find really, so there's two other things really interesting about this chart. One is the Pluto square to Mars. So as you and I were talking about yesterday, the Pluto return is active right now, which means the overturning of Roe v. Wade is a part of the United States's Pluto return. This is a part of this like return to the founding father's time, which of course was a racist, misogynist, homophobic, et cetera, et cetera, uh, time. So the Pluto square to Mars is an indication of violence and it's an indication of violence from men, unfortunately. And it's not just men who are against abortion. I think that's important. And there's a woman on the Supreme Court who, you know, is instrumental in making this happen. Uh, But we're talking about the patriarchy, really. The Mars Pluto square does indicate the risk for physical violence in response to this decision. And I don't know that that's a bad thing or a good thing. I'm not like an advocate, a fan of violence, but you know, it is what it is. That's what the chart articulates. Again, it's going to change on a global stage. All of the violence we perpetrate, it's going to further shift our presence globally in that way, right? We can go to other countries and we can tell them what they're doing wrong with arms, but then we do such terrible things to our populace. And so there's, again, uh, organizing, mobilizing tool that we can use within that to fight. Does that make sense to you? It does. And there's two things that I want to bring up around this particular thing you're talking about. And that is in Washington, D.C., and I've traveled all over the country the last couple of weeks, there are posters everywhere calling for rioting and violence in resistance to the Roe v. Wade. Interesting. Interesting. Everywhere. I've never seen anything like this before. So that what those were, I mean, I took pictures, those posters are everywhere. And the second thing that comes to mind is that having the, the importance of us as a reproductive justice movement, reaching out globally to help galvanize other countries and people in other countries to, to help us mobilize, yes. to bring attention to the fact that in our country, the United States, we are experiencing the inhumanity. Yes. 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 And I have a question. When you saw all those signs, did you have a sense of who was putting them up? Like what organization was it actually reproductive rights organization? It's, it's a, um, they are actually listed as a a terrorist group of reproductive rights advocates, not named, but it is an actual underground group that is calling for uh, violence in the streets. Okay. So it's not like the Proud Boys stirring shit. It's not that. It's it's an it's, actual it's, group as far as yeah, we know. As far mm-hmm. as we know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, mean, I don't know. The thing that is really concerning and interesting around that, in the context of, of the Pluto return of all of this violent and kind of like we're, we're just in, everything is on the verge of catching fire and spreading. It would be very easy for hate groups who are anti-choice to use this as a way to create chaos and violence yes. and all of that. This is something for everyone who's going to like hit the streets to be mindful of. Right. Um, right. It's, it's sticky. Do you have any thoughts on that further before I move to the next thing? 
A couple of thoughts. When I think of, as we're looking at the chart, when I think of the divine feminine, part of what I understand the divine feminine energy is the bringer of chaos, creativity, and also the fact that it makes sense to me that if there is going to be destruction, I understand that it has, even though it's, it's inflicted on women, I also understand that it is women that that have to bring some level of chaos in order to reconstruct what's happening. And that's it's a that's the sort of shadow part of the divine feminine that I think has also a place here. Yeah. I agree completely. And, you know, to back it up with more astrology, the Uranus is in Taurus. The last time we had this transit, it was World War II, not to invoke that, but it is real. And part of what happened during the war is women had more rights, you know, could work. And, and so there's this, this like reiteration, Uranus is related to chaos and instability and Mm -hmm. also revolution. And it's very hard to have a revolution without tearing shit down. Right. And it is messy. I mean, it is messy. And then this actually brings me to the like last piece of this chart that I think is really important to name, which is we have this Jupiter in the eighth house and the eighth house is one of the places we look to for, you know, sex, which, you know, some sex is procreative and can get a person pregnant. And the other place we look is the fifth house. Now in this chart, I use Campanus houses. We have Jupiter as uh, the zodiac sign on the house cusp of the fifth. So the ruling planet, the planet we look to, to see the fifth house of this chart is Jupiter. So Jupiter is a big deal in this chart. It's worth noting. And Jupiter is in Aries forming a square to the sun in cancer, uh, the place of the mother, you know? Yeah. And so another kind of organizing, mobilizing approach is that it is people who are mothers who've had children that often have abortions or have need for this form of care. I mean, it's so obvious to say, but, you know, that we are placing the needs of a potential mother or parent, a birthing parent at the bottom of the food chain of what's important. And again, this is around humanity, but the problem with Jupiter square to the sun in the context of this chart is that it's impulsive. So on the one hand, Mm. the impulsiveness is is good because it empowers us to take risks and to be bold. But on the other hand, it may signify a bit of a too many cooks in the kitchen kind of messaging. Mm. Because you and I were talking about storytelling being so important yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so today, when I look at this chart, I'm like, oh, the story might get diluted because there's so much with it. And so I don't really have an answer for that. I'm curious if you have any thoughts about that, but, but that is part of what comes up for me because I look at this square and it's the one part of the chart where I'm just like, I'm tempted to give really negative and really positive interpretations. In other words, it's, it's messy. It's, it's like spontaneous, big all over the place. Right. Well, I have a thought about that. And, and when I think about, and I, when I say masculine, I, I understand that we have both, we all have both masculine and feminine equally. That's fine. So when I'm talking about what I understand the masculine energy to be is the bringer of order. So it, there has to be an overlay within the chaos where we bring our divine masculine, all of us to bring order, to bring things in, to be more focused. And so mm-hmm. we're go- going to have to tap into that that all, all of us are going to have to bring in and tap into this divine order that is part of the masculine role. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how we're going to be able to do that, but I do have an understanding that that is, it's going to have to play a significant 
place in creating direction. Yeah. Yeah. And that might simply be around organizing. I mean, I have to right. say, and this is kind of like a, a dire thing to say, and, and this is an event chart, not a human's chart, not a birth chart, but Jupiter in the eighth can be associated with death um, mm. because Jupiter is related to expansion. And what is death, if not the great expansion. And so having Jupiter in Aries, which is, you know, uh, the zodiac sign associated with maleness um and associated with knives um and and com- you know combat forming a square to the sun in cancer from the eighth house i mean it's also to do unfortunately potentially with spontaneous death with with jupiter is not drawn out usually it's rapid so there's like i guess two things i'm i'm getting at here one is around health just the health of people who need abortion care. And I think the other is around having really strong storylines, several strong storylines that are kind of streamlined, many strong storylines, but that are somehow streamlined so that there is still unity within the myriad of stories. That's going to be really important. And that's hard to achieve in any movement when it's really emotional. And this is really emotional. Right. And I think I think we're going to have to be able to talk about the the death that is going to happen as a result of this. And in and, and our country has a you know a weird dynamic with death. And so we're going to have to, I mean, the reality is there is no, there has not been in, in recorded history or ever uh revolution without death. Yeah. And that means also physical death. And so the reality is is that some of us will have to die. Yeah. in order for new life to take place. And when a mother gives birth, there is a part of her that really, there is a death, a giving over of who she used to be yes. in order to become, right? And mm-hmm. so it, it, it's, it's we're going to have to turn and look at this squarely in the face, streamline mm-hmm. the storylines by saying, my humanity, my right to live supersedes your desire for something else for me. Yeah. Yes. And we'll have to all be able to say that within the context of our own stories. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, and, you know, again, just to reiterate, and again, I thank you so much for joining me to have like, you know, just follow up this conversation, but is that this is the chart that you and I are discussing of the overturning of Roe, And there will have to be new charts because it's not just about overturning Roe; It's about how we organize what we do in response I think that this is, you know, hopefully important for people who are activists or wanting to get into activism to make a difference because this isn't going to go away. This is a part of the Pluto return. This isn't going to go away. This is a part of the Uranus and Taurus cycle. It just isn't going to go away because they overturned a person's right to choose what to do with their body. Can you speak just briefly with this chart to what I understand, you know, my ancestors to uh, the shoulders I stand on is this idea that no matter what decision that is handed down, it cannot stop my destiny. And, mm-hmm. and us, us as a, in our humanity, being able to, um, that we have the power regardless of the obstacles we face. And is there any way to see that in this chart? Like, where is the res- the most resilience mm-hmm. for us? 
Yeah, that's great. That's a great question. And it's not a Capricorn question. So I appreciate <laughs> it. You keeping me in that sad, good vibes and I need help with that. So thank you. Um, so I'll give a caveat and then I'll give the answer. The caveat is this is the chart of the overturning. So yes, there is some of that, but it's like, this is the chart of a punch in the face. So it's not the most inspiring chart, even though I'm going to like extrapolate um, just to be fair. So it's actually the stellium in Taurus at the top of the chart. It is the moon conjunct Uranus conjunct the midheaven conjunct the North node all in Taurus. What this speaks to is it is, it speaks to women and people of other genders. And the reason why I say of other genders, because Uranus brings in a non-binary, it is okay. inclusive. So it can be inclusive to cis men, um, but it is not explicitly about cis men. It's about everyone else. It is it, us coming together based on our shared values. And it is about us doing things for ourselves. So I imagine okay. that the ability to manage and care for our reproductive health is going to be crowdsourced through the internet. Okay. Now, this is something that I've been kind of talking about on the podcast a lot for a number of years is my profound concerns about our safety online and, you know, the restrictions that will be imposed upon us and are being imposed upon us the ways we're tracked online. But it is about being able to share ways of caring for our bodies. Taurus is an earth sign um, that is very much related to like herbology um, and other ways that we can resource um, things that already exist, ways of caring for our bodies and our souls and our hearts as a collective. And this does refer to pulling from the past, from what already exists, but it is about something new moving forward because Uranus is involved. So that is like the, honestly, the best answer I've got. But the, the other thing I can just add is that Jupiter sun square I do believe that, that we, our cause will have global support. Okay. And that's also really powerful just on a spiritual level, tapping into that global support. Of course, there's going to be some oppressive people and, and places that are not supportive, but by and large, I do think we will have global support here. So does that kind of answer that? Yep. That actually does, because it gives me, gives us some understanding that the underground that we're starting to dig into now is going to be the tunnel. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's it. Okay. That's it. And, and, you know, some of this, you know, speaking to ancestors, it's like so many of our ancestors have dealt with this already. And so there, there is so much information out there. We need to coalesce it. We need to bring it together. We need to do it safely online. Um, and that's something, you know, that I think will be very challenging because we still are going through the Saturn Uranus square. It's not quite in its, it, it's kind of out of orbs still, but it's coming back in like very, very shortly, I believe within a week. And so this is where we really need to be part of organizing around reproductive freedoms, I okay. think is also about organizing, um, yeah. about internet safety, you know, okay. our online autonomy. Okay. Cause I think we will be vulnerable in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're it's we're in it. We're in it now. And I the timing could not have been. I mean, you know, I mean, it, right. yeah, but it is. <laughs> it right? is it's, it's, I mean, the timing is perfect slash terrible slash perfect. Right. Right. Yeah. I just I thank you so much for making the time this morning. I know you're so busy. Really appreciate it. And um, sure. okay, you are great. wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so much, so much Jessica. I yeah. appreciate you so much. Take I care. You. you too. Bye. Bye. 
Free Black Therapy is a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing remote mental health services with Black mental health professionals for Black and African American individuals, and it's absolutely free. Visit freeblacktherapy.org to find a therapist or donate today. Okay, here we damn are. We all know about the Pluto return, unless this, this is your first time listening to Ghost of a Podcast. You've heard me talk about this stuff a lot, especially recently, as you know, the heat is getting turned up in the US. And it's no surprise that we have seen the repeal of Roe. It's no surprise that we've seen the repeal of Roe based on the right to privacy. But that doesn't mean it isn't horrifying. And it is not really emotional for so many of us. Clarence Thomas has already said that he wants to come for contraception, uh, gay sex, yes, sodomy, and gay marriage next. And it's very important to ask yourself, how in the world will they enforce laws around contraception and gay sex? Well, if you have been paying attention to what has been happening in the United States in recent months, it becomes pretty clear, right? And I will say, if you are cisgendered and you have not been paying much attention to or caring much about the anti-trans and anti-queer bills that have been passed in 2022 by the Republicans, it, it is time to really pay attention. There have been more of these bills passed uh, now than in any other time in American history. And it is really important because trans people, genderqueer people, and queer people matter, period, full stop, period. But it's also really important because when the government polices gender, when the government polices our bodies, it doesn't stop with trans people or gay people. It doesn't and it, and it couldn't. It is so tightly woven with the rights of women. When the government is policing our bodies and what we consensually do behind closed doors, we are in a world of trouble. This is the, you know, we're still in the beginnings of this Pluto return in its exactitude, right? I see a lot of people saying we won't go back. And I like that slogan a lot. But the truth is, are we really going back? We can't really go back because going back to a pre-Roe v. Wade world, we're talking about the 60s and the early 1970s and before that. We're talking about a time where there were no computers that are constantly tracking your behavior, both online and in real life, right? I don't think we're going back. I think we're going someplace new altogether. And you know that for years I've been talking on the podcast about the importance of a free press and the importance of online security and safety. And that has always been true, especially for marginalized people. But I want to say that now, in light of Roe being overturned and what really seems to be the criminalization of so many people's bodies, more than half the population's bodies, right? I mean, they are fixing to criminalize abortions and even miscarriages. We have to be much more careful with our online behavior and to understand that your little pocket computer, your phone, which you may be listening to me on right now, 
It is constantly tracking your physical location. So if you go to a physical place like, I don't know, Planned Parenthood, you are being tracked. And whatever app is tracking you or whatever technology is tracking you, that information can be sold. It can be bought by governments or individuals or corporations with all manner of intent. So it is important to be using a VPN and to be using something like Tor. And it's important to be aware of your own safety. If you're going to protests, maybe don't bring your phone with you. And certainly, my dear God, certainly do not take and post photos of people's faces at protests. It's time to be diligent about our safety and to take care of each other. This is the time where we must take care of each other because it's not just about you. It's not just about me. Not having body autonomy means you are a second-class citizen, right? It means you don't have basic human rights. And this cannot stand. Again, it is the goddamn Pluto return. This is going to be dramatic. It is dramatic, and it's going to be dramatic. This is a time of revolution. So I want to share a couple of things. The first thing is, this is capitalism, baby. It's capitalism and Pluto is in fucking Capricorn, right? And so there's a lot of ways that we can shop responsibly and make choices within capitalism that are truly radical, which is ultimately about how and where we spend our money, what we support, and also how we take care of each other, how we share our resources, how we access resources, how we come together as community local community, as well as online community. So you have power in capitalism through the money you spend, how you make money, how you spend money, all that kind of good stuff. And that's an important thing to be thinking about. If you want to yell at or thank your elected representatives, uh, there's a woman named Jessica Craven who has this amazing, incredibly easy to use resource that you can access that basically sends out an email and she gives you what she calls five minutes of resistance assistance each weekday. And basically, she tells you how exactly to find your elected representative and exactly what to say. Just it's a simple, short script that you can call. And if you hate the phone, but you want to make a difference, just call after hours and leave a message on voicemail. Uh, you can also use ResistBot and use these same scripts on ResistBot. And that is just a tool that you just text 50409. And that is a free service that allows you to, uh, you know, text or email your elected representative. So there are ways if you want to work within the system, which I am a fan of. I am not a fan of doing that exclusively. And I'm, you know, but I do think that it is impactful to make noise that elected officials have to listen to. So these are some resources. And Jessica Craven's newsletter is called Chop Wood, Carry Water, which I just kind of find very down to earth and charming. So anyways, you can check those resources out. I will pop them in show notes of this episode. To quote Jessica Craven, don't agonize, organize. I'm a fan of that. I mean, I'm a fan of agonizing. I'm actually into leaning in to the suffering and the pain uh, of injustice. But also at a certain point, taking that energy and transforming it into action, that is where we can make an impact. Anyways, let's get astrological. So we're looking at the week of June 26th through July 2nd of 2022. 
And unsurprisingly, there's a lot going on, (laughs) including but not limited to a new moon, uh, intense and kind of hairy Pluto transit and a very anxiety producing Neptune transit. What could possibly go wrong? If you're interested in getting a jump on the transits before they happen, you can always join me over on Patreon, where on the first of every month, I drop a month ahead horoscope where I delineate all of the major transits in a hour plus long bonus episode that is just astrology. It's nice to have a jump. And and I also, you know, throw in a little sun sign horoscope at the end, which, you know, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. Okay, I digress. Let me tell you about the 27th. So on the 27th, we've got two exact transits. One is a Mercury sextile to Chiron. And the other is a Mars sextile to Saturn. Now, both of these transits are happily sextiles, and sextiles are a 60-degree angle between two or more planets. And the vibe that uh, sextiles bring, it, it gives creative spark vibes, right? It's a nice dynamic little boop of energy uh, between whatever planets. And what's interesting in both of these sextiles is that they are happening to these kind of heavy handed, uh, intense planets. I'm calling Chiron a planet. It's not a planet. It's an asteroid. So Mercury sextile Chiron is good for being able to mentally Mercury cope with difficult or painful content. Chiron. This is an opportunity for us to have those difficult conversations, read those scary articles, just generally come to greater understanding of things that are kind of painful to cope with or to sit with, you know, because Mercury is our mind and it has a tendency to get scattered and all over the place, right? When it is uncomfortable, it goes to a restlessness or kind of like a checked out place when it's really uncomfortable. But this sextile to Chiron is a great facilitator. And so if you've been, you know, overwhelmed by the news and kind of avoiding it, this transit exact on the 27th is actually a really great time to dip your toe back in to this, you know, little collective reality. Now, on the same day, we have another sextile between Mars and Saturn. Now, these two planets, when they play nicely, as they are doing on the 27th, It is really great because we can get things done that need to get done. We can set aside our ego and play nicely with others. This transit can facilitate greater humility um, and basically a willingness to do the work without needing uh, it to be perfect or needing validation from circumstances or others. Mars sextile to Saturn, similar to the Mercury sextile to Chiron, is great for confronting hard things. Mars is about bravery and getting it done. And Saturn is about dealing with power structures. It's about dealing with your ambitions. It's about reality. And so this start to the week, you know, we're going to be feeling it before the 27th and after, but this start to the week is really great for coping with reality, even, nay, especially difficult realities. So that's, that's really nice. It's going to be kind of in the background of the first half of this week. And we will still be feeling the effects of these two transits on the 28th when we have three more transits to talk about. We have an exact Venus sextile to Jupiter, an exact sun square to Jupiter, and a new moon in Cancer. On the 28th, the new moon in Cancer, which means the sun-moon conjunction, it will be exact at 7 degrees Cancer in 22 minutes at 7.52 p.m. Pacific time. 
So broadly speaking, new moons are a great time for planting seeds, for coming to clarity, to initiate something, or in some way, begin anew. And Cancer is, of course, the zodiac sign ruled by the moon. And so when we have this once a year event of a new moon in Cancer, it is super emotional. And interestingly, Cancer is the mother of the zodiac. And you know, for me personally, mom and dad, I know that they are very much conventionally gender roles, but they don't have to be regarded that way. You know, dad is man, mom is woman. I think that there are lots of really wonderful moms who happen to be cis men or trans men. I think there are great dads who are femmes or cis women. Anyways, all that said, uh, yeah, cancer is related to mothering. Uh, So here we are. Here we fucking are. And what we know about this new moon in cancer, themes of how you nurture or care for yourself, how safe or loved or loving you feel in your life, your relationship to home and your relationship to your physical dwelling, which may be the same thing for you and may not, right? Uh, These things are all likely to be stimulated within a cancer new moon. Familial relationships uh, may be really important. Certainly heartfelt relationships are going to be really important this new moon. And let me give you a little bit more information about why that is. And that, my friends, is because of Jupiter. So Jupiter is forming a square to the sun and moon in this chart. And this is a really big deal. It articulates to us that feelings are going to be big and spontaneous. So that might be big feelings of love. You may want to proclaim your love for someone or something. And it could be the opposite. It could kind of go either way is what I'm trying to say. What we are likely to feel is a lot. And when we feel a lot, there is a tendency that we have to get a little selfish, not because we are, you know, motivated by something negative, but because we are consumed by our own felt experience. And when we're consumed by our own felt experience is often when we do the stupidest shit, Uh, not intentionally, but simply because we're not reading the room. We're not considering uh, the feelings of others. And so it's really important during this transit to know that you're likely to be feeling easily activated. And so is everyone else. And, you know, because it's Jupiter, it's not a bad thing. However, we also have a Mars-Pluto square, as I named. It's not exact in this chart, but it is very active. And so that intensifies all this activation. Mars-Pluto square, in the context of this chart, is very much about ego conflicts. So it would be very easy for me to link this to what is happening in the United States around Roe and kind of the struggle between men having full body autonomy and everyone else not. And the kind of violence that that is and how wrong that is going to sit or that is sitting with so many people. But to keep this more focused on us as individuals, our personal lives, this square indicates that power struggles are likely to emerge, that we are likely to feel defensive, paranoid, like someone's out to get you that your coworker didn't ask you this question or kind of spoke over you because they're trying to ruin your life. 
In other words, we tend to assume the worst under a Pluto-Mars square, and we tend to act in ways that are provocative. And that, quote, action can be leaky energy. Again, Jupiter spontaneous. And so Jupiter spontaneous, Cancer is self-protective, and then you throw a Mars-Pluto square in the mix. And what you can have is fights, conflicts, passive aggressive or aggressive aggressive <laughs> dealer's choice. Uh, actually, you might not have a choice. It depends on who you're dealing with. And as always, uh, you know, you, you might not be affected by this terribly. You know, none of this stuff may really hit anything particularly sensitive in your birth chart. But this is a global transit, which means you are going to be dealing with people who are being directly impacted by this transit. And you're going to have to deal with the energy one way or another, my friends. So watch out for your ego. Watch out for your entitlement. You are not better than anyone and you are not worse than anyone. We all have the right to dignity. We all have the right to safety. We all have the right to our opinions. We don't have the right to all of our actions, but we have a right to all of our feelings and all of our opinions. And it is really important that you under this full moon prioritize having healthy ways of experiencing and expressing your rage, your anger, your defensiveness, that you have healthy and sustainable ways of experiencing those things in your body and acting on them in your life, right? And there are a myriad of ways, and that's something I've talked about on many, many episodes of the podcast. I put the word anger in the search bar of my website and was just like, oh, I'm still scrolling. There's a lot of times I've mentioned this. But in particular, episode 177 is anger and forgiveness. That might be one for you to check out. This is this is likely to feel pretty intense. I'm not going to lie. Pretty intense. And, you know, happily, we also have an exact Venus sextile to Jupiter on the same day. And Venus sextile to Jupiter gives us a sense of resiliency. It makes it uh, that much easier for us to act in ways that reflect our values. It makes it that much easier for us to be generous and kind with others and with ourselves. It also can make it easier for us to want everything to be nice and to gloss over unpleasantness. And that would be a misuse, a really easy misuse, but a misuse of this energy. A new moon in Cancer on its own can be a moment when we come home to ourselves, when we realign with self-love, love of others, with care and empathy. It can be a beautiful moment in the year. But in the context of the broader world, in the context of the rest of this event chart of this new moon, we know that it's not that simple or clean. You know, we are all living through a global pandemic. And have you heard of monkeypox? I mean, polio's back in the UK. It's there's some crazy shit going on. There's some crazy shit going on separate from the evils that humans do, separate from the many forms of violence that we are living through, separate from the climate crisis. I mean, there's so much happening. And yes, I know I'm a Capricorn. I can focus on the negative. I know that. But when we get really emotionally present, we cannot just get emotionally present for the lovely stuff. We must also acknowledge and stay present 
for the hard stuff. And that's the stuff that most of us don't have the willingness or the or the tools to deal with and to stay with. And when we develop those tools, when we cultivate a willingness to stay present with the hard stuff, we are stronger. We are stronger as individuals and we are stronger as community members. Lunations in general, but especially a new moon in Cancer with this Jupiter activity and the Mars-Pluto square, everything's going to feel personal. In some ways, everything is personal. But when things feel personal, we tend to act out a little more. We tend to be more defensive. And I want to just encourage you to be aware of that and to allow that awareness to be tempered by empathy and maybe even a little patience just a little patience. Uh, because this is a big deal transit at a big deal time. Each individual transit that we are going through as individuals and as a collective, all of these transits are occurring in the context of the larger transits that are happening. So everything is kind of tinged in a more challenging way right now. So Again, empathy, compassion, patience, try them on for size, see, see how you do. And again, Jupiter is involved. And so there's a lot of positive potential for things to go well. I would be remiss if I didn't say anything about COVID, though, because Jupiter, Jupiter and Aries, as I talked about when Jupiter first moved into Aries, can be associated with spreading like wildfire. And, you know, Jupiter is like, eh, I won't be careful this time. I just want to have a good time. Yeah, you know, just put on the damn mask. You know what I mean? Just put on the damn mask. Somebody invented uh, these little stickers that you put on your zits if you get maskne. You just wear them under your mask. Uh, And then problem solved. No? Am I the only one who has maskne? Okay, whatever. Moving on. That brings us to the 1st of July. And now we're getting into you know, Canada Day celebrations, 4th of July celebrations, this like nationalistic time here in North America. And, you know, of course, the zodiac sign of cancer is associated with nationalism. So no big surprise that the 1st and 4th of July are uh, highly nationalistic days. And the astrology, my friends, just couldn't be worse. It couldn't be worse. I mean, it could. It could always be worse. But it's not great. I'll say that. The astrology is not great. So on the first, we have an exact Mars square to Pluto. I mentioned it in the context of the new moon chart. We have been feeling it all week. Mars square to Pluto is violent. It is a violent transit. And there's so many ways that violence can play itself out. Um, The way you talk to yourself is sometimes violent, right? Laws can be violent. And then there's, you know, good old fashioned Mars. Stab, stab, punch, punch, bang, bang. Violence. Uh, Pluto is systemic violence, and it is penetrating, collective impacting violence. And unfortunately, Mars square Pluto is an explosive, big, scary transit in that regard. Now, Mars square Pluto is not the first time that this transit's happened. It's not an especially rare transit. So we should not expect that every person in the world is going to experience uh, any kind of personal violence perpetrated to them. But certainly, if you feel unsafe, if you're, you know, in a situation that just it seems like it's turning and your gut is telling you to bounce, my, my friends, act like a ball and bounce. Do, do what you got to do to take care. Also, do not start shit. Oh, my goodness. Do not in your rage, in your defensiveness, in your emotionalism. Start shit with people 
without consideration. Find other ways of expressing and experiencing your emotions other than needing to have a fight with someone who you feel justified in in reaction to. People are going to do that to you, maybe. You might do that to someone else. Uh, You might be witnessing that happening in your friend group, even though you yourself are not involved. That's just the energy of Mars square Pluto. This transit brings about power struggles. It brings about, again, compulsive ego energies, which can lead to all manner of bad behavior. And depending on your nature, that could be, you know, self-harm. And it could be shutting down and it could be acting out. A lot of people act out under this energy. This transit is confrontational in nature, uh, both Mars and Pluto, but really especially Mars is confrontational and aggressive. If you feel the urge to try to control the way other people do things, be careful. Because you may be driven by an energy or you may approach it with an energy that creates more harm than good, right? This is a time where you can get a lot out of being interested in the function of your ego and your relationship to entitlement and anger and control and competitiveness. But sometimes the universe likes to teach these lessons in the most unpleasant of ways by forcing you to deal with these themes. So the more you do to try to kind of be aware of those themes within you and in your life, the better. Now, on the flip side, you may feel victimized and you may be victimized. But on that tip, again, it's important to look at if you are participating in self-fulfilling prophecies, like if you are in any way playing small as a way to avoid other people's heavy or shitty energy, because that's not going to work either. Mars square Pluto can kick up, you know, jealousy, paranoia, cruelty, relentlessness, manipulation, and the conscious or unconscious drive to have dominion over others or over situations. So it's, it's sticky, it's messy. These are hard topics. These are hard themes, but they're important ones to be aware of. And if that wasn't enough to make you a little nervous or uncomfortable, uh, I got another couple of transits for you. Um, we've got on the second, an exact square between Mercury and Neptune and an exact trine between Mercury and Saturn. And of course, the Mars-Pluto square and the Mercury square to Neptune are overlapping with each other right on the heels of this super emo new moon in Cancer. So Mercury square Neptune provokes anxiety. This transit can make it so that you are completely confused. And it can be that you have dealt with or you're dealing with somebody who's being duplicitous, somebody who is not being honest. And it can be that your head just feels scrambled and all over the place. This transit can make you feel exhausted, uh, demoralized, kind of helpless or hopeless. Super fun. I'm sorry, that's sarcasm. But it's a rough transit. This is not a transit associated with mental clarity. And so if you have to make major decisions, if you have to sign contracts, if you have to make agreements, this is not a good time for doing that, like at all. It's just not. And when you pair this information of the Mercury square to Neptune with the Mars square to Pluto, I mean, anxiety and, un- and like a lack of clarity 
confusion paired with defensiveness and aggression, it can be real messy. You may not be understanding a situation accurately. Your strongest emotions are not reliably your wisest emotions, your most informed emotions. There is not only one way to deal with a situation, and in many situations, even ones where you feel terribly urgent, it is actually not necessary to respond immediately. Sometimes it is, yes, but you don't always have to. You don't always have to. And under these transits, you may put yourself out there in the heat of the moment in a way that just makes you feel terrible afterwards, you know, like an oversharing hangover or uh, why did I say it that way? Pitch in your stomach. Nobody wants that. Uh, but unfortunately, these transits can really bring them up. You know, I like to talk about drugs. And in fact, quick side note. If you took my High Times and Addiction class on June 4th or you've bought the class since and watched it, please do go to my website and register for my Ask Me Anything AMA on July 17th, where we're going to just like dive in to uh, your questions and just ask me anything about drugs, addiction, substance use, all that kind of good stuff. Anyways, July 17th, you can register on my website. But to that tip. This is a terrible time for doing drugs. Consciousness raising drugs, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, in general, if you have any kind of sensitivity to substances, do not do them during either of these transits. This week is not for that. There's going to be enough uh, kind of bananas energy around. And, you know, why bring more bananas to a banana party? Right? So about the anxiety part of Neptune Mercury square. The anxiety part is really important because sometimes we feel anxiety just because we're taking in too much information and we don't have good energetic boundaries, right? Which is very Neptunian. And so this is a moment to really check in with whether or not you are using the tools that you have around boundaries. And this might be something that is behavioral, something you express in your behavior or with your words to other people. And it may be just your energy work, judge, right? And that's something I talk about a lot on my Patreon and a fair amount here. Uh, if you are that kind of woo, uh, this is a very important week, and especially on and around this date, it's an important time to practice having energetic boundaries. Uh, do your shielding work, because what happens under this transit is we get flooded by too much information. It's like the veils are thinner. So we get flooded by too much information and our mind, aka Mercury, goes, ah, I don't know what to do with this. And so we may randomly focus on lots of things without having a clear way of synthesizing them. We may just, you know, kind of hit overwhelm and either shut down or act out. It's not the greatest, right? The other thing that can happen is that we are actively misled or we have made connections that aren't really there. And so again, if you find yourself feeling anxious on and around this date, it's likely to have kind of a sharpness to it, an edge to it because of that Mars-Pluto square. And I cannot say this strongly enough. Be kind to yourself. Be empathetic to others. This is a rough time. And if you're feeling rough, uh, you don't have to be like, what's wrong with me? Why am I feeling this way? 
you know now. It's not what's wrong with you. It's how can you take care of yourself? What do you need in this moment or for the situation? Because, hey, man, it's cancer season. Let's, you know, slather a little intimacy, a little empathy, a little kindness all over the place. It's very cancer vibes. And it's important to note that all of these transits that we're talking about, they can bring up kind of interpersonal dynamics that are hard and stressy, but they're unlikely to create brand new problems out of thin air. These transits, especially the last two transits I'm talking to you about, Mercury square Neptune and Mars square Pluto, are going to exaggerate or amplify things that already exist. And if we're willing to cope with what is real, we can make changes, we can, we can make shifts, we can evolve. And that's effective. And it's effective in everybody's life, regardless of circumstance, regardless of zodiac sign, etc. Now, there is one more transit for me to tell you about that is exact on the second, and that is Mercury trying Saturn. Now, this one is kind of getting lost in the mix of all this heavy fucking energy, but Mercury trying Saturn is stabilizing. It is, uh, I don't want to call it like uh, wind beneath our wings because Saturn is not that windy. It is a transit that is a support for us steadying our minds and staying connected to our integrity, to reality, uh, to our responsibilities. And it can be steadying for the power struggles that we may be tempted to engage in, whether in our behavior or in our thinking, right? Because Saturn is nothing if not steadying and grounding. So this Mercury trying to Saturn is a nice companion to these other messy, sticky transits that we're in. Now, my loves, my astro nerds, I'm going to run through the transits one more time just in case you're not using Astrology for Days, my transit tracking tool over at astrologyfordays.com. And here we go. On the 27th, we have two exact transits. Mercury is forming an exact sextile to Chiron and Mars is forming an exact sextile to Saturn. On the 28th, we have a new moon in Cancer, exact at 7.52 p.m. Pacific time. We also have an exact sun square to Jupiter and an exact Venus sextile to Jupiter. On the 1st of July, Mars forms an exact square to Pluto. And on the 2nd of July, Mercury forms an exact square to Neptune and an exact trine to Saturn. And that, my friends, is all she wrote. I want to thank you so much for joining me for Ghost of a Podcast this week and every week. And I want to let you know if you're in the Bay Area, and this is like, you know, it's a month in advance, but let me let you know if you're in the Bay Area, I am beyond honored to be a part of the Oakland Museum of California's upcoming art exhibition called Hella Feminist. I am so honored, like I can't even tell you, it's blowing my mind to get to be doing this. I'm going to be a part of Hella Feminist in Oakland at, that opens July 29th. And if you're local, you should come because in it, I am creating a portal, a literal portal to come and release grief and rage and frustration, all the feelings that we have been collectively going through that you have been personally going through into this portal as a way of achieving some measure of catharsis, because we have been going through such a hard time. And no matter how strong you are, no matter how great things are going, we are all affected by it. And 
it is really important, in my view, to check in with our emotions and to check in with our spiritual body and to clean house now and again. And that's what this piece is all about. It is something I'm really thrilled and honored to be able to do. And again, if you're in the Bay Area or you're going to be in the Bay Area, uh, this show is going to be open for six months, I believe, but it opens on July 29th. So put that in your little calendars and come, come see me. Come see it. Come see me. Okay. Take care of yourself and others, and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Every year they say the end is near.